was the launching day of our two-service schedule, and so those of you that uh, normally arrive at 10.30, you are right on time today. It's so nice to see that. We hope, we hope that by going to two services, you found parking a little bit more available. I know the first service, we're thankful that they didn't have to run as far in the pouring rain as they would normally have to. And uh, for those of you that may not have known we have an early service, it starts at 8.30, and we would encourage you to, to check it out. It's the same service, the same Spirit of God is there, and, and uh, we just want to make sure that as our congregation grows that we can make it as comfortable as possible for you and, and for the visitors that you bring. As we face a new year, I understand that there are moments in time when we begin to evaluate our life. For some of you, it means making lists of things that you may want to change about yourself or things that you may want to do that you haven't had a chance to do in the past. We're always striving to be better versions of ourselves, And this seems to take place in people whether they have faith in God or, or not. But we who have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and a faith in Him realize that God is always leading us on a journey and that he's never satisfied that reaching the potential that we had yesterday is where he wants us to be today. I say it every year about this time. If you are spiritually in the same place as you were a year ago, then it's not because God didn't have plans for you. It was because at some point or another you put your feet in and said, I'm not going to grow any longer. I'm not going to grow any past this. But God's desire is that he would lead us and guide us in greater trust as, as we trust him more and more. We're going to be launching today on a, on a message that... Um, We'll have three parts to it, lessons from King Saul. Now, all of us know that there are two ways that we learn. We learn by either seeing people do things that we admire and want to be like that, or we see or learn of people who did things that we say, I will never do them that way. King Saul fits into one of those situations where we can look at the mistakes of his life and recognize there are things that the Lord wants to teach us about how to follow him in brand new ways. Some of the changes that we think about that we want to make as we get to a new year are things like diets and, and, and routines, and, and some of those can be relatively easy, and some of you are going, diets are not easy. I'm just saying it, it's easy to change what we eat from time to time. Sometimes changing routines is, is not a difficult thing for us to do. There are other things that I believe that the Lord would begin to highlight in our life that may be a little bit deeper embedded, that may require what I call the experience work of the Holy Spirit to begin to remove from us so that he can work in us. And those things would be things such as fears that we have that we've never been able to deal with well, or attitudes, or the way that we see ourselves and, and self-perception. Now, a month ago, we finished a sermon series that we were on for nine weeks called Follow Me, or Learning to Follow, where we were examining Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, and if you have it, you can look at that. Because we were asking ourselves about what are the attributes that are in, involved in the life of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And what should our life look like as the Lord begins to work with us. Come and follow me, he said. But there's another part to that verse. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. As I begin to concentrate on that last part in particular... During this week of prayer, and by the way, if you weren't able to be here, we had a great week of prayer each evening. 
it was powerful to see uh, people gather together and, and passionate about seeking God for our church and for our community and our state, our nation, and the world. And, and we've had a wonderful time. I have never felt so prepared to step into a pulpit as I do today after watching people on Friday night walking around and just the power of God begin to fall on them as they prayed for every seat that you're sitting in and every instrument in every room. I am thankful that God gets here first and has plans for us. But as we follow him, he said, I will make you. In other words, there's a process that takes place within our lives from the time that we yield our life to the Lord that he begins to do something in us that brings about his nature more than our nature within our life. And there are several attributes that he desires to bring out in us that's going to require him to be at work within us. He's always looking to bring you to greater places, more potential of what he has placed within you. And so today, whether you are the leader of an organization, whether you are a stay-at-home mother with lots of children running around, perhaps you're a single mom, or perhaps you're a father who is standing here today and you're thinking, this is the only time I have during the week where I can come and not be in charge or feel the pressure of something. Or if you're in your 20s or 30s and you're, you're beginning to plan a life, perhaps as a new married, whatever it may be, wherever you find yourself today, I want you to know that God has plans and He's at work within you and He wants to mold you and make you into something that will resemble the potential that He has placed within you. I believe he wants to do that corporately as well. I believe that the church that we see today, should the Lord tarry, is not the church that we will see a year from now. I believe God is going to begin to un unpack and unpack and pour out His glory upon us, and that we are entering a season where we see new people coming to Christ on a regular basis, and I believe that's His will for the church as He begins to mold us and make us more and more. We do know that to reach the full potential of our life, to reach the full potential of what God has for us, means that each of us, at many different levels, are going to have to be willing to embrace change. And as we embrace change, it is God making you into what He desires for you. At many points in your life, and, and many of you could give this testimony, He leads us into situations that are way outside our comfort zone. Have any of you ever experienced that? Where you knew God was leading, but you were really uncomfortable in the place that he was leading you to. You felt that before. The issue that comes to us in those moments is this. We either trust him and say, even though I don't know what's going to happen, Even though I can't see what the future is, I trust you that if you will save my soul and promise that you will never leave me or forsake you, forsake me, I will trust you in your leadership of my life. Or you get to a place where you stop and you simply say, I refuse to obey beyond this because I can't see what's going on. And if you stop and you say that you will go no further, you may get to a place where you will feel safe temporarily but you will be robbing yourself of God's best for what he wants to accomplish in your life. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read the first 11 verses in a story that many of you may be very familiar with, but I want to look at the life of Saul in this particular moment. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. 
Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha and Judah. They pitched their camp at Ephesdamon between Socha and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up the battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and he was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, he will become, we will become your subjects. But if I've overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Lord, I pray now that you would take these next few moments and as we begin to unpack the truth of your word as it relates to our life, I ask that you through the Holy Spirit would teach us and lead us that we could be people that overcome fear and walk in boldness in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Most people are familiar with the story of David and Goliath and what many people may not be familiar with or at least as familiar with is the role of King Saul and the role that he played in this and unfortunately it was not a good one. At the time in history in which this was recorded, war was a very hands-on activity for kings to be involved in. Whenever a nation went to war, it was customary that the king himself would be the one that would lead the troops into battle. He wasn't just considered the commander-in-chief, he was the warrior-in-chief. And so that was the title that Saul had as he went into this battle. Now the scripture indicates that they went off to fight against the Philistines who... They had fought many times, and they were the sworn enemies of. And in the battle that David and Goliath made famous, the Philistines made a proposal. In order that they could save unnecessary bloodshed, in order that they could perhaps say, hey, you know what, these battles, we're losing men like crazy. We have wives and children back home, so rather than having all these men die, why don't we do it this way? You just send out the best you've got, we'll send out the best we've got, we'll call it a death match, whichever side wins, the other country becomes the subject to them and we all get to keep our lives. It sounds really good until you see the enemy who's making the statement. And so out of the Philistine army comes a nine foot, six inch giant named Goliath who had trained his whole life for battle and so he steps out and he says, I'm the champion who... Are you sinning? And Israel sends out, well, nobody. The person who went out to fight Goliath would be the man that everybody would consider the warrior in chief. It should be Saul. He's the king. 
He's the one who has to make the decision. He's the one that gives the command. But Saul didn't go because the Bible describes him as terrified. His fear kept not only him, but his entire army paralyzed for 40 days. These were men that would do whatever he said. All he had to do was yell, charge, and they would go. But the commander-in-chief, the warrior-in-chief, even though God had told him, I will go with you, I will lead you, and victory will be yours, stood looking at what he could see with his eyes and not what he could sense in his spirit. And so he stood in fear. Now here's the crazy part. When God promises you victory, you would think that you would have the boldness to begin to step out in faith regardless of what you see. But as you and I can attest in our lives, there are times that we have felt prompted of the Spirit, but things didn't look good with our physical eyes, so we hesitated. I believe there are many times that the Lord wants to lead us into areas of greater trust. And sometimes we hesitate and he whispers into our spirit, what are you afraid of? I've got this. I've got this. And so Saul chose fear over advancement and the decision cost him. This decision cost him for the rest of his life. As we fast forward over this chapter, we know real quick that a little shepherd boy named David showed up to battle. He decided that he wasn't afraid to fight the giant because he'd already been proven by God in so many different things. And, of course, David won with nothing more than a sling and five stones. Even better, his resolve not to let fear stop him inspired confidence in the entire army. And the army won a great victory over the Philistines that day. But the only problem in this is that the wrong leader led them. This wasn't to be David's battle. It was to be Saul's. And because of the courage of David, he immediately became a hero and he was the envy of the nation. And as for Saul, he lost more than his chance that day to kill a giant. He let fear roadblock him from the battle that was rightly his. And from that moment on, he began to lose control of the kingdom. I want you to know that your history changes every moment that you become obedient to the Lord. There are times in our lives that we look back on with regret because we didn't walk in obedience. When God says, if you just listen to me, I'm going to lead you to things that don't let your eyes fool you. I'm behind the scenes and I've got this for you. Fear is a powerful force that can keep us from reaching our potential if we don't learn how to push past it. In a book called Die Empty, author Todd Henry writes this. We we tend to think of fear as terror or shock. But in this context, it means that we are paralyzed by inaction because the perceived consequences of failure outweigh the perceived benefits of success. This means that we are unlikely to try new things out of a concern that we will pay a high price for failure. For all of you that have ever seen ships, you'll notice that the easiest, most predictable, safest place for a ship to be is in the harbor. But that's not what ships are made for. They're made to move on the open water. They're made to be in the open sea. They're made to be in places where it might be uncertain. They're made to be in places of risk where the ships can go forward and power through and reach destinations. Yes, They can be in places where perhaps they sink, but the world is full of unknowns. But ships were made for that, and a ship that never goes to sea is a ship that never does what it was created to do. 
I want you to know something, church. God created us to risk in his spirit. He's created us to step out of comfort zones. He's created us to be on a journey where constantly he is making us. What you are today is not what he wants of you tomorrow. He's got more for you. He's got other plans for you, and he wants to bring them into your life. Now, the scripture that we read today indicates that Saul lost out because of his fear, but I want you to know something. There are fears that face us every day as well that I believe God wants to teach us to work through. The first one is fear of rejection or the fear of failure. The fear of rejection is one of our deepest human fears because biologically we're wired with a longing to belong. And we fear being seen in a critical way and we're anxious about the prospect of being cut off or or demeaned or isolated or unappreciated and and we fear being alone and and as a result of that there are some people that absolutely live in fear of changing anything. And the fear of rejection will cause you to shrink back Rather than take a step in fear and follow through on God as he helps you to risk. It will cause you to play it safe. But safe things rarely grow. Where you choose to play it safe is a place in your life that you will come to a plateau. And a plateau is never the preferred place to be spiritually or in life. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 and 2. Scripture that many of you know says this. Now faith is confidence. I could almost stop there and preach a message on that. Because for some of you, your faith has not been full of confidence. For some of you, your faith has been full of fear. It's been full of I don't knows. It's been full of what ifs. It's been full of I need to see things more concretely first. But the scripture indicates to us that from the moment that you subjected your life to Christ, from the moment you intersected faith in him, and his finished work on the cross, that he became the director of your life. And from that moment, you have never been in better hands or one that cares for you more. But he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. How many of you have spiritual hopes and dreams? Well, I know that we need to pray that God will give more of you spiritual hopes and dreams. Maybe that's the thing is you've settled into a safe place for so long that your ability to even dream what God can do has become to be dulled. I want to tell you something. God's got plans for you that you could not even express if he were to show you. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see and this is what the ancients were commended for. In other words, all of the people that we hold up as as heroes of faith in the Bible were commended because they were able to pass the fear of rejection or pass through the fear of failure. And as a result of that, they were able to accomplish great things for God and see God in some miraculous ways. The fear of rejection when it faces us as a church is most often displayed in times when it's Opportunities for us to share our faith. Statistics indicate that the reason that most people who know Jesus don't share their faith is because they're afraid of what people will think of them. They're afraid of rejection. And so as a result of fearing what people say, they choose to keep the best news that the world could ever have to themselves. 
The difficulty will be when you have to stand before God and he says, if you had just followed me, the opportunities and the people that I wanted you to come in contact and reach would have been innumerable, but you just tried to play it safe and you were so afraid of rejection, even though I was telling you, we've got this if you'll just trust me in it. And we have to learn to push through that and trust God. You put him first in everything. Sometimes you know that you're captured by the fear of rejection when you've been looking for other people to meet a need that only God can satisfy in your life. Sometimes you know you've been caught in this when you've been living to please people more than you've been concerned about how God Almighty looks at you as he works with you and he walks with you. And if you've been living to please people, watch out because you're headed for trouble. God wants to be your light. He wants to be your salvation. And he offers his love and acceptance and approval. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you more than anyone. He's paid for your sins so that you can be forgiven and acceptable to God. And I encourage you to simplify your life by simply saying, Lord, when I face that obstacle of rejection, help me to take one more step and watch your spirit come rushing alongside of me to face those things. There's a second fear that we find is a roadblock. It's the fear of losing control. Saul was afraid as he stood there looking at that big man. He was afraid because he knew that to engage in this battle was going to be a risk, even though the Lord had told him the risk is very little. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, these are my people you're leading. But he looked at that, and he was afraid that he would lose control. If, if we lose this or if I run, I'm going to lose the, the, the value that I have of authority and leadership. The fear of losing control of your environment or of other people will roadblock your teachability because it closes you off to people and so you don't trust anyone anymore. I am certain that there are times in our lives when we feel, I just want to control the situation. And we realize how frustrating it is to try to do that. How do you know if you faced a roadblock of trying to control everything? Well, if you battle jealousy... If you battle possessiveness, then you are in a battle of the fear of losing control. The truth is that you cannot grow until you are willing to trust God, first of all, more than you trust you, and then learn to trust the people of God around you so that they can walk with you in strength. The people who fear the battle of losing control have the mentality that if everything could just be on my schedule, if you would all just do what I say... When I say it and how I say it, the world would just flow. However, what you discover is that you are one step away from disaster. You're one step away from the world falling apart. Those who struggle with the Lord in the area of, Lord, I need to control this. I know you say you've got my best interest at heart, but since I don't see it, I need to control this. And what you are doing is that you're pretending that you are sovereign over your life, and you are not. Because when the enemy comes and battles you and you lose control, you will ultimately come to a place where, having lost everything, you'll realize it was never in your control in the first place. And the only answer there is to overcoming the fear of losing control is to surrender all to him. I surrender myself. I surrender my family. I surrender the job. I surrender the issue. I surrender the difficulties. I lay it at your feet, O oh Lord, and I give it to you because I can't handle it. 
I'm not in control. Let me give you a crash course in God's sovereignty in a few verses. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful words. He sustains not some of the things that have to do with your life, not a few issues. He sustains it all. Everything there is about your life, he sustains. Colossians 1.17 says, in the same vein, Jesus is before all things, and in him all creation holds together. Now, here's what I love about this verse. When you have a fear of self-control, it's because you don't know what's coming next. When you're battling fears, it's, it's always the fear of the future, the fear of what's next. But the Lord just said, I go before you. The things that you fear, I'm already involved in. I'm going, hey, come on. I've already been there. I know what's going on. I have this. I just need you to walk with me. Because as you do, I can make you into a more trusting individual. And the more you trust me, the more victories there are for you to win. If you will just let go and surrender it all to me. And in Acts 17, it says, in God, we live and we move and we have our being. Oh, hallelujah today that we are encapsulated in the protective hands of mighty God who says to us, quit worrying and put the fears down and let's march. God is passionately into the details of your life. How passionately? Let me read this to you. In, in uh, In Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, the scripture indicates to us that God has numbered the hairs on your head. Now, I realize that for some of you, that's an easier job than for others. It says all of your hairs are numbered. Now, that means that he doesn't just know how many there are. The scripture says he has numbered them. So when you get up and you're combing your hair and you see one in the sink, he knows what number that was. And then he has to recalibrate the numbering system on your head. He does this on a regular basis. That's how into the details of your life he is. If he loves you that much, what is there to fear? Third fear is the fear of criticism. The higher you go in God's plan, the higher you develop in him, The more things that you want to achieve in your life, the more you're going to face criticism. After all, critics only criticize people who are doing something. So if you're a parent, expect criticism. Somebody's going to criticize you about how you parent your children. If you're going to try something new, expect criticism. Because some people like the way things always are. If you're involved in following the will of the Lord in your life and if you're risking because the Spirit is leading you, then you can expect criticism. It will take place in your life individually and it will take place corporately. However, the fear of criticism itself is not a good enough reason to dig our heels in and say, I'm not going to go any farther, Lord, because I like to be liked. He says, but I love you. I love you. Criticism is part of the game. For anyone that wants to allow the Lord to bring a better version of themselves than what they have. And criticism makes us push others away. And if we isolate ourselves and we don't learn, then we never get better. And if we don't get better, our marriages suffer as a result of it. If we don't get better, our spiritual walk suffers as a result of it. If we don't get better, our jobs suffer as a result of it. There needs to be a steady progression of growth led by the Spirit of God that will affect every area of our lives. Because God is constantly working to make you and redesign you into more and more of his image. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 26, as you get a little bit farther into the story, David faced a little bit of this. In fact, as we begin reading, it said, as David came in, as he was walking in, he was listening to men talk about because the king had already said, I'm not going to fight. So he then began to look in his ranks as those who would. And he said, here's the deal. I need somebody to take my place as leader. And so if you, if you go into this battle and you win, then you get to marry my daughter. You get to never pay taxes. It's going to be a really, really financially a good thing for you. So David walks into this and he hears all this. And we get to verse 26. And he asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for that man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, (laughs) of course it's family. When David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave the few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle, and then there's David's response. Now what have I done? Does that this not sound like family? David began to ask questions like he was going to be a battler, and his brother is all embarrassed by this because it's his, his youngest brother. It's the little brother. Saul's failure, David's victory, were a result of how they each responded to criticism. Saul stepped back and said, let's find somebody else. David stepped forward and said, the God that I serve is more powerful than anybody that's going to defy us and his people and his name. Then there's the fear of change and the unknown. Leaving the familiar is always scary. It's always scary. The fear of change causes us to live for maintaining the status quo instead of living for growth. Because in order to grow, you simply must be willing to be changed. Must be willing to be changed. In what part of your life do you fear change the most? What drawing of the Lord are you resisting because you know that it will require a decision that will force you into change and change is something that you may be very uncomfortable with? Because listen to this. Whatever you say no to the Lord, whenever you say no to the Lord, when he asks you to follow him and trust him, will automatically become your lid. When you say no... I'm not willing to go any farther. I'm not willing to change anymore. I'm not willing to learn anymore. When you say no to God, that becomes the lid to your spiritual life and growth. You will never receive more blessing. You will never grow beyond where you are at. You will never reach the potential that God has given you. When you let fear of the unknown and fear of change place a lid on your teachability. And if you fail to grow beyond this point... If you get to that point where you say, Lord, I am uncomfortable going any farther. If you stop there, what takes place in your spiritual life is this. You lose the joy of the Lord. It no longer becomes fun and enjoyable and exciting. This is to be an adventure that we are on through this life. And when you lose that sense of wonder of what God can do because you plant your feet in the ground and said, this is it, no more, then you have placed an ending point to your growth. And after a while, serving God becomes a burden. 
And then you will sink into a list of obligations and you're trying to do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And out of a sense of obligation, you will begin to move. And and out of a sense of obligation, you will never be able to praise and worship with full spirit of joy involved. His dreams and his plans include your full surrender to his will. And here is what he tells you about the plans that he has for you. For those of you that are sitting here and saying, you know, that's a good word, Pastor, but you don't know the fears that I'm facing. Here's what the Lord says to you today for 2016. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that water into your spirit. God is facing this year with you and he puts his arm around you. I want you to picture him having a personal conversation with you as he whispers into your ear and he says, you're standing there saying, Lord, I've, I've got a lid. I'm a little afraid. And he goes, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now, when the Lord says that his plans are to prosper and not to harm, who are you going to trust, you or him? When the Lord says to you that what I want to do within your life, if you will just take steps of faith and, and go through this fear, in that moment of time, you need to feel, because I believe sometimes the Lord is honestly just putting his arm around us and trying to, to move us forward, and, and in those moments, we just need to yield. Just yield. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Oh, I want you to know something. The future that the Lord has planned for you is better than what you could plan for yourself. He has designs for you. He has designs for our church. He has designs for our city that include letting him rule and reign and move forward. He has designs for deliverance. He has designs for growth. He has designs for salvation. Salvation, and he needs you to say yes when you face the fear. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, if our instrumentalist would please come. When it came to facing Goliath and advancing the Israelite army, Saul allowed his fear to paralyze him. David, the underdog shepherd boy, did not let fear paralyze him. So I ask you this morning, where are you letting fear hold you back? In what areas of your life are you choosing to stay into the harbor rather than venturing out and being everything that God created for you to be? I believe that if you will ask yourself that question, that the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you the areas because it's his desire to lead you. It's his desire to move you forward. It's his desire to grow you. He's got a sphere of influence for you. He wants to use you in greater ways. And as you face this new year, and you face the fears, I want you to be able to say with boldness, I know that the giant in front of me looks fearful, but God has whispered in my heart and he says, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. You've got a guide in this. You're not alone. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that I, I sense the Spirit of God speaking to my soul and I, 
I can think of areas in my life where the fear of rejection has held me back or I've been such a control freak that I, I need to let go and surrender all or I've been afraid of criticism or chains and change in the unknown and today you're sitting here and the spirit of God is whispering into your ear if you've been caught if you felt like there's been a lid on your life I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand because I want to pray for you this morning yes 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 all across this room our father God I thank you that your word never returns void but it always accomplishes even through the manifestation of the Spirit this morning, there was the call to come to the light because when we step out of the darkness into the light, our fears disappear. How, how amazing that you orchestrate even the manifestations to support your word, oh God, in our lives. Lord, across this room today, there were many that said, I can recognize very quickly areas in my life where fear simply has captured me. It's put a lid on my teachability and the Lord has been unable to make me into anything more because I've been so afraid of things. Lord, Saul began to lose the kingdom as a result of his decision. And I pray, O oh God, that your kingdom will grow and advance both individually and corporately because we as a body will declare together, we will go where you want us to go, O oh Lord. And we will do what you want us to do. So, Father God, as the song is being played in the background, today we make a decision that we will surrender all. I surrender all. Lord, there are some here this morning that need to make that declaration with their own mouth and name exactly what it is that's been holding them back. And I pray right now that you would give them the strength to do so. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed, maybe you're here today and you have never never had an opportunity to come in contact and be in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not a list of rules. It's a relationship. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sins so that you, in intersecting him in faith, could be set free from your past and begin to walk in the joy of walking with him. If you've never received Jesus, but today is your day, I'm going to ask that you would simply look up from where you are and catch my eyes, and I'm going to say, I agree with you. As I'm looking around this morning, yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Are there others that say, today is my day? Today is my day. I'm ready to receive him as my savior. I want to take that step and know that Jesus is transforming my life. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Are there others? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, as we come before you this morning, we recognize that we can't stand in your presence with approval without Jesus and his sacrifice covering us. I pray with these two ladies today that said, today is my day. And I ask in the name of Jesus that with their own hearts, they would open up and say, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins and paying a penalty that I could never pay. And from this day forward, may they walk in the joy of the journey of being made by your hands into your image. Father, we pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team and our deacons if they would be prepared to come and stand in the front. In a moment, we're going to conclude. If you're here today and you responded to Jesus, there's going to be some people standing over the, near the wall here that would love to meet with you just to give you some introductory information as how we can walk with you on this start of this journey of walking with Christ for you. If you're here today and need to be prayed for, there will be people here to pray for you. 
If you feel that you must go, you can do that as well. But let's face this week with this question. Whom shall we fear? For God is with us. Lord, bless your people as we go. May we walk in obedience. And we will give you all the glory that is due your name with great joy. Amen and amen. May God bless you. 